Hello and welcome to episode 709 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, June 24th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, what's going on, man? It's January? Uh, no, thankfully not. <laughs> it, life is life, man. I'm uh, looking forward to going on vacation. Uh, I'm supposed to leave tonight, but we'll see if that happens. Got some other stuff going on, so... Uh, yeah, uh, looking forward to getting away. No baseball for me for, God, like seven days. So that's going to be, that'll be interesting. I'll go through withdrawals. I was going to say, you're looking forward to that? Sheesh. I'm looking forward to just getting away from work and responsibilities and stuff like that. Though vacation with two kids isn't really getting away from responsibilities. What would be nice, and listen, not complaining about my job. Love it. It's fun. It's awesome. Just be fun, you know. Just be kind of cool to have like a week where I just absorb baseball and I don't really think about it beyond that. Not like, oh, what article am I going to write about that, or how am I going to talk about it here? Just like absorb it. But you know, we chose we chose this, and it's uh, again, it's pretty great yeah, to be able to do. It's not a tough life. We got lots of good stuff to talk about. Um, a lot of it's. Uh, waiver based and stuff like that where it ended up being a pretty big waiver period yesterday lots of news coming out we're actually going to start with a big closer news section and then get into some of the pickups what was paid for them if you got any of them um some of it's some review from some guys we discussed like the marlins because i'll just maybe see what they went for in your league if you got any of them same with kind of the raw stripling julio arias thing uh because we did discuss the Marlins and those two Dodgers uh, with Ariel Cohen. And then Nick and I went even deeper on the Marlins. So I don't want to go too much there, but let's start with some closer news. And the, and the latest news, the most uh, breaking news is a torn UCL for Jordan Hicks, which uh, is bad. It's definitely not good in any way, shape or form. And obviously it looks like uh, Tommy John surgery could be on the docket for him. Um, you know, we hear about this a lot about how a lot of guys have a torn UCL, but it's a matter of how much it's torn. This one seems bad, though. Uh, I don't know that this that they're going to come off scot free with this one in any way, shape, or form. So, uh, where are you at on Jordan Hicks right now? And then we'll get into uh, potential replacements, namely John Gant and maybe even the, um, Andrew Miller. Yeah, this is a huge bummer, uh, especially for me because like the one league or one of the leagues I was doing really well in, uh, he was one of my real nice uh, pieces in my bullpen. So uh, kind of mix this with some other <laughs> unfortunate closer news. And uh, I think teams are going to be struggling quite a bit. I mean, obviously this shelves him most likely, even if they do the rest and rehab route, you would have to think this shelves him for at least two months. So oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a massive blow. There's just, there's yeah. just no way. So, I mean, obviously, they're going to turn to someone else. It looks like John Gant right now, but, uh, I mean, it, I feel like this is a uh, really good opportunity for them to just make Carlos Martinez the closer. So, I, I know they've I talked mean... about transitioning him back into the rotation, that yeah, just seems I don't like know. A failed exper- I don't know. I I think I think they should try to make him a, a starter, but at this point, you know they've got five usable starters in that rotation. So why not just put Martinez in the ninth, let him dominate there? Uh, it, it's it's quite a mess. I I think 
going out right now. I think a lot of people uh, spent a lot of money on fat in fab on guys like John Gant last night. I think this is a team that could easily go out and you know purchase a closer from another team via trade. Uh, I could see that, but it doesn't look like it's going to be Martinez. I mean, Gant. I believe there's been some some pretty, you know, relatively firm talk, as firm as closer chatter ever is, that Gant's going to be the guy. I know that he got in yesterday and it, it didn't really go well, but I mean, you know, that's not uh, that's not something that we're going to freak out over just because it happened right as as Jordan Hicks was getting hurt. But uh, yeah, I I think he is. Yeah, obviously, that's where a lot of people went with it. What about Andrew Miller? Oh. <sighs> I mean, I I guess they could. They've give they gave him the money, so they don't really have a replacement lefty in the back end of that bullpen. So I I wonder if that kind of stops them from wanting to mess around with Miller in the, uh, in the role full time. But I guess he you know probably could get mixed and matched in the ninth. <laughs> I just feel like Gant isn't going to be the long-term solution. I think they're going to go at with someone else, whether it, like I said, be via trade or Carlos Martinez at some point. So I, I'm just I wasn't willing to invest a ton of money in John Gant in the same way that I was willing to do it in another guy we're about to talk about. Yeah, Gant. By the way, just quickly, uh, 41 innings, really strong work, 16% strikeout minus walk rate, uh, buoyed by a 24% strikeout rate, and that that has been. Back-to-back years now of uh, strikeout rate bo- or swinging strike boost, I should say, up to 13% this year. Everything looks great. I mean, he certainly fits the role. Um, you know, got the fastball up to 96. So everything's there for Gann if they want to go with him. I'd like to see uh, Carlos Martinez get into a, a more fantasy-relevant role, whether it is as a starter or closer, but I'm suspect right now. Let's move on to the next move here. Blake Trinan heading to the I.L., and that opens the door for Liam Hendricks, another one that uh, pretty firmly, I think this one's out of Bob Melvin's mouth, even saying, "Hey, it's going to be it's going to be Hendricks for the foreseeable future." Right now, uh, by the way, uh, right shoulder strain is what sent Trinan to the IL, so Hendricks is going to be the guy, and uh, he was pretty heavily bid upon last night. Unsurprisingly, what do you think of Hendricks in Oakland? I bid a lot of money on him in a lot of different places, so. Uh, Spent $179 on him in TGFBI, uh, a league where I am uh, really struggling for saves. I had drafted uh, Trevor May and Craig Krimbrell as my closers in in Mm -hmm. TGFBI, so uh, I think I've got like a total of six saves thus far. (laughs) Dude, I I can't figure out TGFBI or or even really the 12-team online's, like, the the backups make no sense. Like mm. I mean, you were you were like 150 bucks clear of the next person. Uh, I was the other surprised two, by that. Yeah, the other two people who bid over a hundred, uh, their backups weren't close. Hell, even the ones that were just under 195 and 80, they had 27 and 37 respectively. It's it's just it's weird, man. And this is not an isolated incident at all, especially when you get into the online. And I've talked about it all year about. Uh, my frustration or just you know I, I others are experiencing it more nfbc longer term veterans are saying the same thing so i don't think i'm just out of bounds or something that i just uh, don't get because i'm relatively new to the format just for the last couple of years but the 12 team man there is just like no rhyme or reason and 
it's frustrating because I feel like, well, this player's worth this. He's really good. And then I put like a substantial bid on him, and then the backup is four dollars or something. And I put, you know, ninety-two dollars on him because I thought that's what he was worth. I mean, you go look at uh, a guy we're gonna briefly hit on, Zach Gallon. In the twelve teamers, you go look at these backup bids. They are nowhere near the winners. None of these bids are optimized. The closest one, as far as like a high dollar optimization, would be 171 uh, against 157 or the 197 against 162. Otherwise, you've got a buttload of triple digits with double digits and sometimes single digits. In my Rotowire Online Championship, sorry to veer off on Zach Gallon, he was unopposed. Really? Unopposed, dude. But anyway, I think back w- then- I think one of the things we're starting to see is people start to really check out. For sure. And um, by the way, I should I could have kept it topical. In my Roto-Wire Online Championship, so was Liam Hendricks. Yeah. Now, I didn't need – because you're like, well, why didn't, why, why didn't you get him, Paul? I didn't need a closer, um, so that's why I wasn't in on the Hendricks thing. And I had Ross Stripling as a higher priority than Zach Gallen, so I wasn't, I wasn't in on that either. But it's crazy that those both went unopposed. Like, that's insane. And the guy put over 100 bucks on both. So he's probably kicking himself like, what the freak? You know, this is insane. So I, I know you're right about the checkout stuff, although I've been experiencing this for the last month plus, at least as far as like the 12-teamer goes. It's very bizarre. Um, and again, I know I've taken us off on a path, but as far as Hendricks goes, for I guess more importantly, where do you think Trinan's going to be here with this shoulder strain? How long do you think this is going to be with a rotator cuff strain? Do you think this is something that's going to be a long-term scenario? I mean, uh, Trinan, for what he's done, hasn't been that great this year. 408 ERA, 153 whip, does have the 16 saves, but he's been a far cry from what he was last year. Uh, what do you think Trinan's outlook is, which would then uh, kind of parlay into what you think Hendricks looks like long-term? Yeah, originally it was reported as like a shoulder strain, uh, and then it's been kind of clarified as a uh, a rotator cuff issue, uh, which is much more scary for me. Those are the kind of things that uh, tend to leave people out for longer. I've I think right now for the most part people are, you know, just guessing at what the timetable is going to be. I've seen some people say like two to six weeks. Uh, I'm really afraid that this turns into something greater he's really struggled this year uh and supposedly been dealing with this issue for a while now uh and Hendricks to me seemed like the clear number or clear like you know guy who's going to step up and take that role uh and so I was willing to just go all out on on on, uh Hendricks this fab uh this fab period so uh, it, it's a huge bummer for me because I've got uh, Trinan in the uh, uh, the second chance leagues, but oh yeah, that I'm, sucks. I'm I'm very nervous about this. Uh, Understandably so. And again, you add in. I think there was some tendonitis earlier too. Um, I want to say elbow. So that's a couple issues there. And then, like I said, the results for Trinan simply haven't been that great. He's really kind of fallen back to uh, his Washington days as far as performance. He really just, you know, the walks are way up. The strikeouts are still, you know, one per inning, basically 36 and 35 and a third. You'll take that, but it really hasn't been that great, and that that's, that's unfortunate. I think, and this was something that I really wanted to 
be mindful of when I was in drafts of like closer rankings are still a problem because we just take the best guys from last year and automatically bump them up. And like, I understood why there was love for Diaz and Trinan and I put them top two. So this is not like a, I told you so, but then I didn't draft them. I, I passed on them. I was willing to let folks open the door with the closers and then get in on them. Now, listen, as far as skills, Edwin Diaz has been fantastic. You have reason to believe perhaps that the ERA and whip can come down with him and Trinan, you know, it's been mostly health though. So who knows what he would have been if he'd been healthy all year, but I don't know, man. It just seems like, you know, Kirby Yates is going to be a top two guy next year. And it's like, well, should we automatically bump him up? I don't have necessarily the answers, but I do think there's some flaws in how we rank closers year to year. Yeah. I just don't know what the solution is in terms of figuring out a better system for that, because just stick with the guys that have, well, I guess, just go back to track record then. Because I was more interested in the Jansen, Osuna, even Chapman. You were more interested in the price. It's less about... I would have taken them... If push comes to shove, though, I think I would have taken them first. Oh, okay. See, I wouldn't have done that. And I, Diaz, and I, uh, Diaz more than... like I love trying to... And I was so excited with what he did last year. But, I mean, it was one year for a 30-year-old. One, one and a half years, though, right? Because he was... Even, even, like, some of the established guys had, like, big warts, too. I mean, they had some Jan, warts. Jansen's velocity. Chapman See, was bo- dealing with an issue. Uh, coming you can tell me on Jansen's heart being something to concern over. But the velocity, I, I wasn't... I mean, that was the little blip at the beginning of last year. And then you barely notice it. Some people probably don't even remember when you brought it up right now. They're probably, Oh yeah, I remember that now because by the end of it, he was excellent. Yeah. So uh, you're right though. I mean, they all have their warts. I guess you just kind of pick the guys you like pool to choose from, especially guys with concrete jobs. Yeah. It's short. Yeah. It's really getting less and less too. So that makes it even more complicated and uh, we'll see how it goes, but we do have even more closer news here. Tampa Bay's closer role is kind of uh, up in the air right now because Jose Alvarado is still on leave dealing with some situation uh, with the family back in Venezuela. He did throw a bullpen in Port Charlotte, so it looks like he's back in the States. I don't know if it was like a temporary thing to kind of come check in with the club. They've been amenable to him handling his family situation, so hopefully everything's going all right there for him. But he's been out for a while. So Diego Castillo was there doing his thing, but now he's on the I.L., so that opens the door for an Emilio Pagan to come in and steal some more saves. Remember, he had that big three-save week, and then people went off scooping him. I mean, he's still been excellent. He has a 1-2-3 RA, a .82 whip, 36 strikeouts in 29 in the third innings. He's been awesome. He can handle it, it looks like, for Emilio Pagan. Remember, they were right there in the Craig Kimbrell situation. So they'll obviously get Castillo and Alvarado back at some point, but how are you handling the situation in Tampa Bay right now, which is already rife with uncertainty when they have all their guys. Is it still that way now that they've eliminated two, or does that just mean Chaz Rowe and like, I don't know, Adam Kolarik are now going to be in the mix to steal some as well with maybe Pagan being the top choice. And then those other two can be the choices behind him. I, I don't know. What do you think of Tampa Bay's closer situation? Yeah. I mean, I think, Pagan is probably going to get the fair amount of saves or the, the you know, the lion's share of things for the near future. Uh, obviously, that could change if and when Castillo comes back uh, healthy, Alvarado's ready to return. 
but I do think they will probably mix and match because if we've seen anything from the Rays, uh, they hate our fantasy teams and they're not going. Oh, for to sure. Just, and they don't. Yeah, they don't care about they, them. They just don't care. And so, yeah, I would not be surprised to see Roe or Posh or. Yes, uh, I was going to bring up. Is Claire. it Posh or Poach? I, Colin. I, I can't remember how it's pronounced, but. Uh, Colin Posh or Poach, P-O-C-H-E. I think he gets it over Cleric as the lefty. I would I would say so. He's a strikeout guy. Um, he had 48 and 27 innings at AAA this year before coming up. He's already got 11 in his nine innings. He had a buck 10 in 66 innings last year across double and AAA with just 19 walks too. So it's not like he just throws it all over the joint and and you know they don't know where it's going and so they swing at it. So Colin Poach, uh, that's an interesting one there, and I agree with you that he would be placed in the hierarchy over Kolarik as far as like two lefties and a righty coming up. Maybe they tell Pagan, you know, we're going to go to the lefty here because they, we got two of them there. So maybe he's kind of the sneak pickup, Colin Poach, uh, and even if he doesn't really get saves, you could get some strikeouts while you're waiting to see how that plays out. Yeah, I think that's uh, a good play. This is a way to, especially if you don't have a lot of fab or – uh, you're just, Tell me about that. yeah. Cause I mean, I, I know like in the main event, I just dropped $81 on gallon and then $81 on Hendricks. And so like, I'm down to my, like I'm under a hundred bucks for the rest of the season. Dude, I'm um, broke. Now here's the thing. A lot of people are getting going broke and prices are coming down. And I think I need to make that adjustment. Cause even on some of the scrubs, that I put like six on, I think that those prices are now like three or two. Yeah, I'm not spending more than just a you know couple bucks here and there on guys that aren't super impact. I mean, I think you've got you've got to really really readjust the way you approach Fab rest of the way, especially in these leagues where because as much as I know, like for me, like I've got you know just a few uh, few bucks here and there in most of my leagues. There are leagues where I've got a ton of money or other people have a ton of money. And so uh, you're just going to have to realize in those leagues that you have to put in a ton of fab bids to make sure you're getting guys and you're not yes. not dealing with Don't put your spots. eggs in one basket. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you got to remember, this is a long season. We, we're still <laughs> not even halfway through. Not even halfway. <laughs> I think one team's hit 81 games. And so, it's, probably, it's probably the Mariners because they start – Mariners are the A's, I would imagine, if – um, yeah, it's we still got a long way to go, y'all. So yeah, just be smart about how you're using your fab rest of the way. It's a good call for sure. A um, couple other situations here. Speaking of those Mariners, Rolandis Elias had some saves, um, and so he was a, he was an interesting pickup. Do you think he can hold the job even when a when a uh, Hunter Strickland type returns from the IL, uh, or how how are you assessing that situation between Rolandis Elias and Hunter's? Uh, Strickland down in Seattle or over in Seattle. I think Strickland probably gets the job back being right-handed. Uh, he was really good before he got hurt. Uh, so I, I would assume he, maybe he has to work his way back in, but they're looking for tradable assets and uh, to, to clear cap space or clear money, not, not really a cap, but, uh, and to, to gain assets for rebuild. So I think, Strickland probably has the most amount of value if he can kind of get back on track and, and get some saves under his belt. He'll be a pretty uh, uh, 
desired resource uh, for, mm-hmm. for the Mariners, considering all the other closer issues that we got going on. So, for sure. Uh, I would expect Strickland to get that job back, but Elias could be a guy that is also uh, traded, and you know, I think for right now he's going to hold on to it for a little longer. When he's a lefty, so again, they could end up with the uh, Elias is the lefty mm-hmm. and uh, Strickland the righty, so they could kind of mix and match there as well, even when both guys are back and upright. Uh, Michael Lorenzen has snapped up some saves out in Cincinnati now. It certainly looks like it's still Rachel Iglesias' job primarily, but uh, you know, I've been I've been just kind of praying that Michael Lorenzen can get on track and really go off. I, just because he's such a fun, unique player. Uh, for those unaware, he's like a really sharp hitter. He even jumps out into center field with stump some regularity. I mean, he's he's logged uh, parts of nine games in the outfield this year, playing each of the each of the three positions. He's just a super athlete. So I just like him. I just wish he had more fantasy relevance outside of like an NL only. So I'm kind of pulling for this from that aspect. But he does have four saves now on the year. Is he a threat to Rysel Iglesias? And um, before he answer, I would say, originally I thought maybe, you know, if they'd have kept going the way they started, Iglesias could be someone who was traded. They're now just four games under. And by run differential, they'd be on the Cubs' butt. They'd be a half game behind them. So they have to look at all the all the numbers and say, we've got a crew here. If the offense keeps going and keeps improving, we've seen our boy Puig get going. A few of the other guys start to turn the boat around. Um, they could be in contention. So I don't think the Reds are in a sell-off mode. So how do you assess it between Rysel Iglesias and Michael Lorenzen? Lorenzen was a popular pickup this weekend. Yeah, we knew that division was going to be close. But at this mm-hmm. point in the season, every team is within five and a half games. For the first place it's crazy uh, I mean that's uh, that that's gonna be a really fun race especially if the Reds try to stick in it and I, I agree I think they should I think they've got uh, not not only have they been able to kind of stay in it in spite of that awful start like they still haven't even got really good contributions from some really important players on this team so including one of their best hitters yeah. who hasn't back yet scooter Jeanette working his way back i mean once he gets back they're going to start to have an embarrassment of riches offensively now as we say regularly those things figure themselves out i uh, remember cameron maven like where's he gonna go when all the guys get back and unfortunately he got an injury so something will probably happen but i mean they've done all this without him and he's been an without excellent Alex hitter Wood now. too i mean yeah it's a good call this is a team that yeah i think uh could be really and they have a lot of tradable assets if they do want to try to make a push mm-hmm. i don't necessarily think they should trade away guys like jose siri or, or yeah not the Trammell. premium stuff um, i would trade some of the like because they've got they've got some depth in their system they could trade some of the fringe guys they're not fringe but like the non- top of the scale guys and still get some supplemental pieces to improve the team even maybe some guys that we've seen this year like a josh van meter maybe he gets flipped somewhere and they can bring in some stuff so um yeah this reds team's interesting so do you think lorenzen could wrestle the job away because iglesias has been used in a multi like it might not even be a hostile takeover maybe they're like we're going to give lorenzen this job so he can be a one-inning guy and we're going to use Iglesias as a two-inning guy, or, or is it just going to be a mix and match and be a fantasy nightmare? I would not be surprised if it's a mix and match. I mean, uh, Iglesias hasn't saved a game since June 9th. Dang. And Lorenzen's saved two since then on back-to-back days. Uh, That's interesting. So I think we're going to... 
and I, I think they've characterized it as, you know, we're kind of giving Iglesias a chance to kind of uh, get better and, and, and not and, uh, and kind of recover from a few bad outings and things like that. But uh, I think it's moving in that direction, especially considering, I don't know. I mean, they gave him, they've got, he's got that, Iglesias has got that contract. So it's, it's a really friendly deal too. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd hate to see them. Or I, I don't think they would necessarily take him out full time, but I could definitely see this turning into some sort of timeshare, uh, especially if the Reds are okay taking Michael Lorenzen's bat out of that lineup. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, so a nice, it's a it. nice little asset to have on on the bench there, especially if you get in one of these long games or something where you got to make some moves early because of injuries or whatever. You've just got Lorenzen as an interesting weapon there. Uh, worth noting, Rysel Glacius' last appearance, he did finish the game, but it was not a save opportunity. Uh, so that we've got that there. Uh, so that, that's the closer stuff. Let's get into some free agent pickups to kind of discuss where they went, what, what's your outlook on them. I mentioned the Marlins guys. We did discuss them with Ariel Cohen, and then I did another deep dive with uh, Nick Pollock. So I'd refer you to those two to really get the analysis on the guys, Zach Gallen, Jordan Yamamoto, and Eliezer Hernandez. I'm more interested in in the pickups of them and, and what you did. You mentioned that you got Zach Gallen. Where did you pick him up and, and what were the prices you paid? I paid $81 for him in the main event. Okay. Uh, I just figured he, uh, of all the guys who were available this week as a starting pitcher. You got him uh, for 81 Yeah. So What? <laughs> I, w- I was actually surprised uh, that I got him for the, for that price. Uh, considering there are a number of people in my main event that still have money, mm-hmm. I am not one of them anymore. Uh, <laughs> I now have thirty-five dollars for the. Because you said you got somebody else at eighty-one, right? Yeah, I didn't think I would end up. I think I got Hendrix uh, uh, as well at, at eighty-one bucks. I didn't think I would end up with both. Um, and this is where my like doing my math correctly. Uh, uh, Definitely helped because yeah, I got Hendricks and and Gallon both at uh, eighty one, and I'd put in for somebody else, uh, and I was like, okay, I got to make sure that I bid more than thirty five dollars. That or, or I think it was thirty eight dollars at that time, because uh, I ended up picking up uh, someone for Cole Tucker. Finally got that bum off my roster. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you got yeah, so uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna to be tough to make moves in there, but like I said, I, I really felt like Gallon has a ton of upside. Uh, after watching him pitch in that first start, I was super impressed by him, uh, especially that changeup. And I thought that of the guys that were available this week, this is a guy that could really help me kind of maybe move out of the cellar of the standings. So, yeah, no, um, that, that's a good duo to pick up with Gallon and Hendricks. There you got. Uh, a nice starter and then a, a closer as well. Mm-hmm. Gallon gets Washington on Wednesday and then a, uh, lining up for a two-star next week where he faces Washington again this time in Washington and then a trip to Atlanta. So staying in the division, 
you know, the Washington and Atlanta are not easy competition. Uh, if he comes out looking good in those three starts, I think those who invested the big bucks in Zach Gallon got to feel pretty strongly uh, about that investment. I mean, obviously, he doesn't have to be perfect in all three, but if, if you look at the bottom line when he's done and it's still looking pretty sharp, Gallon, that's going to be encouraging. Colette and I actually got him in uh, in, in labor mixed for six bucks. It's Where a $100 budget. We made a trade, right? We made a big deal. So we had a lot going on. Um, of course, anytime good things happen to us, something bad has to happen. We do, in fact, have Jordan Hicks, but we got six bucks on Zach Gallon, which I, I honestly, it was the old keep him honest. I was like, well, someone's going to go, you know, probably 10 here. Um, we can go six and it's fine. Nope, we ended up getting him. And we also brought back Aaron Judge and both of those moves, uh, well, and Willie Calhoun, and that all pairs with getting. Christian Yelich in a big deal where we traded uh, Goldschmidt, um, Tommy Pham, Adam Eaton, and Zach Wheeler, oh, as well as a catcher swap of we gave Jake Seeley Tony Walters for Tucker Barnhart. Uh, he wanted a little boost there. And I said, sure, because he wanted Loriano and I wanted to give Eaton. And so that was the compromise was to give the catcher boost. Well, so it's getting, really those getting Eaton off your roster as, you know, he's obviously not going to be a clubhouse favorite. for your That's what I'm saying. Uh, dude, Loriano hated him. Calhoun, Willie Calhoun threatened to stay on our IL until Eaton was off the team. <laughs> he said, well, I tried to change him in the website and said he won't come off until you get yeah. rid of Eaton. So I had to get him out of there. So the catcher swap was kind of the sweetener there to uh, make Jake go away from Loriano and focus on Eaton. So it was Goldie, Fam, Eaton, and Wheeler. Those are the four primaries for Yelich, Cole Calhoun, and uh, who's the other one I'm missing here? Um, oh, Yandy Diaz, because he's not on the active roster so yet. He's coming back. You have so. Willie Calhoun too. We have both Calhouns now, Will so, and Cole. Yeah, I really like the monopoly on Calhouns. That's just, you like that? Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty happy with that. So, you know, we feel pretty good right now. Joey Wendell's going to fill in a little bit at corner until Yandy Diaz gets back, which is due back this week. So, yeah, we did trade for an injured guy, but somebody who's on the road back already. And we needed an offensive infusion. And so getting the best, you know, offensive player to date along with Judge, obviously those are the two primaries, uh, both Calhouns joining the squad, one returning and one joining. That helps, and so does Yandy Diaz, but the primary is adding Yelich um, and, and bringing back Judge to hopefully infuse this offense. And with Wheeler, you know, it's tough to lose him because I do think he can really go off. You know, he kind of had a similar ERA as he does right now last year around this time and then absolutely took off. And just because that happened last year doesn't mean it's going to happen this year. But for me, I just believe that it's a possibility. Like, I still believe in his arm talent. So a 469 ERA, while not as nice as you would like, certainly makes me believe that he can still go off. Tough to get rid of him, or, or trade him, I shouldn't say get rid of him. But we have some really strong, strong pieces um, in the rotation that have really come up for us, like Brandon Woodruff, Jake Odorizzi, um, David Price is there. Sonny Gray's been more useful than not. We've actually curated some good starts. So we felt pretty good about this deal, and, and hopefully it jumpstarts us a bit. But sitting on our hands wasn't going to do anything. Um, so we went ahead and made the deal. What do you think? <sighs> Um, to be honest, I, I don't love it. I think you guys gave up a lot. I, I know that Yelich is uh, uh, a really great piece, an amazing piece to get in a deal, and you got to give up a lot for him. But I feel like you guys especially are, are struggling a little bit offensively and have a lot of holes. And so 
I, I don't know so, if that was necessarily the best move for you guys, but I, I, I yeah, I, we discussed it right, and I, and I was like, eh, a little much. I ran the numbers though, and uh, we were wrong, yeah. you and I, because no, because it's really not. So this is with Loriano even in it. I didn't even do the numbers with Eaton in it. Um, as is when it was Yelich, Yandi, and Calhoun uh, ver- versus Fam, Loriano, and Goldie, we were gaining 19 homers, 20 runs, 31 ribbies, five steals, and even 15 points of average. Now, that's just to date. That's not what it's necessarily going to be going forward. But that was a much bigger advantage than I thought just to date, to be quite honest. Yeah, no, and. Too. So that really surprised me, and I was like, you know what? If I can get Loriano out of there because he has nine steals, and steals are pretty tight, and I like his speed potential more than Eaton's. And so if you switch out Eaton and bring in Loriano, I think it's a much better move than it's looking to be. Now, Goldie could go off, but I don't think uh, there's any you know, illusion that Yelich is going to stop. He's going to continue to be great. Uh, I think Yandy Diaz, no, there's nothing fluky about what he's doing. Even if he only hits another 10 homer the rest of the way, but is a batting average guy with runs and ribbies, I think that would be fine. And Cole Calhoun has been quality with the power and uh, and his run scored. His average is down, but that's being covered by Yelich and, and Yandy, to be quite honest. So I ran the numbers. I agreed with you initially. I said, I don't think we want to do this. And then we started talking about it more. And um, once I got eaten in there instead of Loriano, I thought it was the right move for us. Okay, I'm I'm not gonna uh, not gonna rain on your guys' parade too much. I, I I don't think it's a bad deal. I don't know that I would have done it, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think I, I wish you guys luck. I, I hope you guys uh, kind of get back into it. Yeah, J- Jake was too. He's he's actually out of fab, and he's like, you know what? If if this doesn't propel me, then I want you guys to win. So hopefully this uh, this jump starts both of our teams. And if if he he's like, if I get a bunch of injuries and die off because of that, because I can't replace anybody, then then good luck to you guys going forward. So we'll see what it does. We had to do something though. Again, sitting on our hands wasn't going to do anything. I'm just looking at Goldschmidt's numbers right now from uh, at, at this time last year. Mm-hmm. eerily similar he'd already started his turnaround though mm-hmm. and so where is it and here's the thing too he's not gonna run i mean he only ran no. set he only had seven last year i fully believe that he can he can get back like we didn't trade goldie with our eyes closed to what he can do mm-hmm. but well you're right he had already started at turnaround because he had in the beginning of june he had like like eight home runs or something like that. It's ridiculous. I'm looking at this. At best, at best, he's going to not even fully cancel. He'll mitigate Yelich yeah. at best. Because even with with the speed that Yelich will deliver, I think uh, yeah, he'd still huge, keep the yeah. edge. So, um, again, I think the key for me was Eaton uh, over Loriano there because I really do like what Loriano has been doing since May. He got off to a slow start in, in April and has been good since. Let's get back to some of these pickups. Were you in on Jordan Yamamoto or Eliezer Hernandez at all? And uh, if if so, what'd you pay? Uh, I was not, uh, or at least I didn't get any shares. Uh, I, I put some uh, bids on, on Yamamoto, didn't get any of them. So uh, I like Yamamoto and I think he's been super impressive. He's obviously Another not- strong outing yesterday. Yeah. I mean, not as strong as when he faced. No, 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 no. no. Well, yeah. I wish well, he could face the Cardinals every game. Because <laughs> let me say this: he owns. He them. actually gave up runs for once. Yes. Um, but and what I four liked, walks in five innings. What I liked though was three of those were in the first inning, and he bounced back. I like seeing a pitcher face adversity 
and stabilize from it. So he had a brutal first inning, a hit in three walks, gives up the two runs, finishes up strong with with four quality innings after that. Was limited to five because they ran him up to 99 pitches by then, did the Phillies. But uh, I was still pretty impressed with what Yamamoto did there. And I got a couple shares of, of, of Yamamoto going forward too, so I'm pretty excited about uh, what he can do. What about uh, Eliezer Hernandez? Anything on him? I know some people picked him up, and he's been he's been pretty decent. Uh, but I just don't, I think he's kind of the odd man out in this rotation okay. once the pieces start coming back. That that was my concern, and that's why I kept really small bids on him. He should get a start. Eliezer Hernandez should get a start this week against Philly. At least it's penciled in. It's not uh, confirmed yet. But then Caleb Smith's due yeah. back very soon, and then Pablo Lopez. Um, right now, it's not looking like it's going to be severe and keep him out for a while. So t- spots just become tough at that point. And yes, something could happen to open it back up. But Eliezer Hernandez is not the kind of talent that I say, well, I'm just going to bet on this and let it play out. You know, we kind of, you and I were kind of doing that with Ross Stripling coming into the year, knowing that he could be compromised as a starter. And we said, well, we really like his talent anyway, so we're going to get him, which is a segue into Ross Stripling. Who did start to get cut See, in a this bunch is of why leagues. you're the best in the business? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, he did get cut in a bunch of leagues, did stripling, and now he's looking like he's going to be the primary guy to take over for Rich Hill. And they do still have Julio Urias. I do think that you know the starts that maybe stripling is wobbly is a perfect opportunity to bring in Urias for multiple innings of zone, and they end up being kind of tandem starts. In fact, that's what they did in this first start. But right now. All the uh, probable start websites have Stripling getting a two-start this week at Arizona at Colorado. A, how many shares of him did you still have? And B, did you acquire any more via free agency? I didn't acquire any more via free agency, but I still had a ton. I was holding good, on, good. Uh, mostly because he was at least he was still pitching. Like so, yes. I mean, he, he wasn't wasn't getting the innings or anything, but uh, he was still on an active roster, and I was able to kind of keep rotating him in. Uh, so. Uh, I, you know, obviously going to hold on to those. This, this is looking really good for my fantasy teams. Not very good with the bet I made with Ariel on Friday. Uh, <laughs> but who doesn't need another Rotoware shirt in their life? So. Right. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, what Stripling can do. You know, he... Uh, he was good in his five starts, but it just was a numbers game, and they felt comfortable pushing him to the bullpen, and then the immediate... For the first appearance out of the bullpen, he had a third of an inning, gave up three runs to the worst team in the universe, San Francisco Giants, and it was oh, like Dareth, you. Yeah. And well, here's what I thought: I didn't think numbers that you put up against AAA teams, I didn't think those counted. So I don't even know why those are baked into a ZRA because if you face a minor league team, that's a minor league outing, right? You would think that's how it works, but unfortunately, but, but alas, yes, they count. If it happens uh, but, in a major league stadium, it still <laughs> still counts. From that point on, um, he's got a 235 ERA and 15 and a third, 16 strikeouts for Ross Stripling, and he was the second part of the tandem outing with Urias getting the getting the start. But now it looks like they're going to flip, or or I shouldn't even say flip because Stripling's going to start. We don't know what Urias is going to be like, and even Stripling's not confirmed. So you didn't add any more shares. Were you nervous that maybe he's not the guy or was he just not available in situations where you needed to pick him up? No, I mean, I'm a little bit nervous that he isn't the guy and I'm a little bit nervous about, could this be a tandem thing where he only goes three or four innings uh, and be like a quasi opener yeah. uh, and have Urias comes in? Because 
then Urias is the guy who's going to get the win. Correct. And you would want, I mean, because I like both of them damn near equally. So at that point, give me the guy going second. Yeah. So for fantasy, uh, at least. I mean, obviously I held on to my shares, but I also picked up a share of Urias uh, this week. Smart. So uh, I think, I think if I, both of these guys are kind of canceling out each other's fantasy value, which is the unfortunate part. It, it is annoying. I can also see them um, trading starts, too, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, Stripling gets the one uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, and then Urias gets the next one in that spot, although that would be and, at Colorado. I mean, let, uh, and but, let's be honest. I mean, half of this, more than half of this rotation is a strong breeze away from an IL stem. This so, is this I mean, both Kershaw, of them, you got Ryu, Maeda. Um, even them, them themselves, Stripling and, and Urias have had their own issues. So you're you're right on that. You're so, right. So I mean, this could work itself out by the time we post this podcast. So <laughs> <That's true. laughs> uh, I'm I'm not overly worried. I, I'd probably grab both. In yeah, I mean, wherever you can, and, and probably most twelve team formats. They're, they're talented enough that uh, that you can have Stripling and Urias on your roster and and feel good about it, even if they're not. In a in a prime fi- fantasy role, which is um, starter or closer, and obviously neither of them are going to close. Let's stay in the division and go over to Logan Allen, the rookie lefty for uh, the Padres. Pitched well in his debut, seven shutout innings. He gets a trip to Baltimore. You're always a little bit nervous about Camden Yards, but it is the Baltimore Orioles, so I'm not too nervous about it. I do worry about your boy Renato Nunez maybe clubbing him a little bit. But other than that, I was pretty interested in in Logan Allen and ended up acquiring a share of him. Uh, what do you think about Logan Allen and his, his prospects going forward here? Allen is one of those guys that I think his his name, his prospect type, is a little bit higher than uh, his actual fantasy value. I lied, by the way. I got three shares. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's he's not a guy that I think necessarily translates into a future ace of uh, in fantasy or a guy that is going to help carry a rotation, but more of a mid-rotation fantasy starter, which I think has a ton of value. And if you're grabbing that off the waiver wire uh, or via fab in this season, um, I think it's, it's it can be extremely valuable, especially with the state mm-hmm. of pitching. But I think some people think that this guy is potentially a future ace because of where he fell on prospect lists coming into last season and this season. Uh, I don't think that's the case. And in, so in Dynasty and Keeper Leagues, I'm looking to kind of sell high on him right now. Uh, but in redrafts, I'm definitely willing to pick him up, gets the pitch in Petco, uh, a division that isn't necessarily the best in the world. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, I, th- I think he's he's a good pickup for redraft, but not a guy I'm going to break the bank on, especially in Dynasty or Keeper. Yeah, there were some strong skills from Logan Allen in his AAA numbers um, with a 25% strikeout rate, 11% swinging strike. The 515 ERA was bad, so it was a 144 whip. If you kind of look at the game log, though, it was, it was actually kind of a uh, crappy start for the, his first two outings. Really great middle, and then the last three actually leading up to his promotion were bad. So it, it's one of those things where I know you're parsing a 13-start sample, but I do like to kind of see the makeup of it. Is he just routinely getting shellacked, or has he been great— and and a 191 ERA for like the middle eight starts of that run uh, encouraged me. So I went ahead and, and I didn't have to break the bank on him too because I knew I wasn't going to go crazy on Zach Gallen um, because of because of budgetary reasons. So Logan Allen was a reasonable backup to me. So I'm excited to see what he can do. He looks like he's slated to get Baltimore this week. They only have five games, so just that start. And then a two-start next week. 
San Francisco and at the Dodgers. Obviously, that at the Dodgers will be a big test, but I like what Logan Allen's setting up to do. Um, what did you do with Chicago Cubs prospect Adbert Alzale? Because he's also uh, probably even a bigger prospect in some circles than someone like Logan Allen. But is he going to be kind of Julio Urias where he's really seen as just kind of this utility knife? He's going to get two starts here and then everyone's going to freak out. But then he's going to be back in the bullpen here. What were you doing with Alzale from the Cubs? Uh, I kind of put him in the same tier as Logan Allen as a guy that in redrafts I'm willing to go and grab. But uh, I think, again, uh, a little bit overhyped. Though, I don't know where these strikeouts came from this year. I mean, this was a guy that uh, has had like 20, you know, kind of low 20% strikeout rates. And Mm -hmm. this year in AAA – is thirty six and a half percent strikeout rate, like Dang. just a huge jump. So I don't know, and I haven't, uh, I haven't read a lot of notes on him in terms of, you know, did he get increased velocity, uh, or, uh, you know, did he add another pitch or something like that? But I mean, this is a former prospect of note. He was just always considered kind of a high floor, uh, low ceiling type of guy. So okay. interesting to see him kind of put it all together as he gets to the major leagues. Uh, I, I think your concerns with him being kind of a, a long, you know, long reliever or a guy who kind of comes in after an opener uh, is valid. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what the Cubs do with him kind of moving forward. Uh, but I, I, I wasn't overly concerned with going after him, considering the other options that were around. Yeah. Um, again, he felt like somebody who, uh, Edward Alzelay felt like somebody who's a nice backup if you didn't have budget to get Zach Gallen or Rush Dribbling where he was available, I got him in one league. I got him in TGFBI. Didn't really pay much for him. Figure, you know what? Cubs kind of like this guy. Um, I think that was even something that um, projection that Joe Madden said. They, they hate him. Well, he also didn't pitch much last year, and he wasn't that great. So it, it is kind of a uh, toss-up sort of thing. I'm I'm looking at him as a short-term guy. He is penciled in or inked in. He's starting on Tuesday. Alzale is against the Braves, and we'll kind of see where it goes from there because they're they're actually starting Chatwood on Thursday too. Which, by the way, that's who opened for Alzale in his first appearance. So they're starting both guys. So Alzale, despite starting on a Tuesday of a seven-game week, is not getting a second start. Uh, he would be lined up to start again at Pittsburgh next Monday. So yeah, that, that it is going to be one of those things. That rotation could have won a 2014 World Series. <laughs> with uh, with Lester, Darvish, Quintana, Hamels. Yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously veteran guys whose best days are behind them, but they're still all you know, pretty good. Even Darvish is kind of um, coming Kimbrell back. Kimbrell might be back this week. I, I, yes. I'm excited. So, so many shares stroke, of Kimbrell. Your Strope and C-Shack shares are taking a hit, but if you hung on to uh, if you hung on to uh, Kimbrel this long, it's finally going to start to pay off. So we'll, well see what else like tr- make a trade in Towers last night. So. That's right. Oh yeah, yeah, you had a big trade too. You traded Kimbrel, or you uh, you traded Jansen for uh, Wilson Contreras. That's right. That's so, nice move there. Yeah, I like two, that. Two catcher NL only. It was just a really nice upgrade, uh, and it's one of those things. I'm kind of learning a lot about this league this year because it's my first year in NL Tout. Uh, and apparently, it's really hard to trade closers because oh. everybody punts them, and nobody wants to pay more than like draft day prices. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, you then know, you got a great return because I, I, got I love offer, that. Yeah, for Jansen, I got offers of Garrett Cooper. Um, Come on. 
Yeah, I mean, and there were a couple other offers that it's were not just... save plus holds, right? No, it's, okay. it's saves. <laughs> I was just making sure, like, I didn't think it was, but I was like, that's that's the only way that that would make any amount of sense. And even then, I'd probably and I love Garrett Cooper. I love what he's been yeah. doing. I've got I scooped him in some leagues, but come on, no, you yeah, got to come. I, I got laughed out of the room for Kettle Marte. I just, yeah, I mean, it was. Uh... Uh, but uh, Andy Barons of Yahoo uh, came with a really strong offer of Wilson Contreras. Uh, really up, great kind of upgrade, yeah, upgrades my catching spot, which has been a, a bit atrocious. So, uh, yeah, it was a, a pretty nice deal, especially with Kimbrel coming back. I could afford to uh, kind of cut him loose. Yeah, I like that for you. I think that's going to work out well. A couple uh, Tylers were were in the in the pickup news this week. Skaggs and Molly. Molly's been one of those guys who's probably been on and off your waiver wire depending on what size league you play in. Um, he's been he's been mostly good, but uh, like I said, just kind of bouncing back and forth. He's he's been snake bitten though because his his skills and his four even a four seventeen ERA. Like you look at everything he's done, he deserves better than a two and seven record. But if you're like you're in a points league that counts negative for losses, you've probably been pretty frustrated by him because a 417 ERA and 120 whip with over a strikeout per inning, 80 and 77 and two thirds deserves better than a two and seven. So he was somebody who was picked up, and so was Tyler Skaggs. Uh, which of the two Tylers were you more interested in, and did you pick them up anywhere? Uh, I got shares of both of them. This Excellent. Week. So uh, grab Tyler Molly in uh, TGFBI. You were the uh, top guy, and yeah. you paid a. Very nice price. Yeah, for him. paid sixty nine bucks for him. Uh, again, just trying to bolster my pitching in, in uh, a league uh, where my pitching has kind of been the thing holding me back. Uh, and then I picked up Tyler Skaggs, I believe, in my beat Justin Mason league. Yep, uh, got rid of uh, Travis Shaw finally. Um, I see that, and that was more optimized at nineteen and twelve. Yes, uh, and so. Uh, uh, both of them have, I think, decent starts coming up. Uh, both have looked pretty good as of late. Uh, I've always been a Skaggs guy, so mm-hmm. uh, I mean, unfortunately, ate a lot of his really bad early season work. But last three starts, he's got at least five innings uh, and uh, hasn't given up more than three earned runs and and only one earned run over his last two starts. So uh, I'm hoping he's kind of yeah. turning the corner. And and Molly's a guy, like you said, I think with a little bit of luck, could uh, be a much nicer uh, uh, player. You and those Angels lefties, you also love Andrew Heaney. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think those are both nice guys. Um, some two-star scrubs that were out there that folks were really – well, I, I include one of the guys in there because I'm a little bit nervous about him, but he's been markedly better than the other two. So I'll give Zach Davies a, um, a hat tip and say he's, he's higher than scrub – but then the other two were uh, Adam Plutko and Brad Keller, who I do think are firmly in the scrub category. But what did you think of these two start guys? Uh, they were they were all drawing attention. I think Plutko set up for like a uh, Baltimore, or Detroit, or something. Or no, Casey, Baltimore. Royals, yeah. yeah, you gotta love that. And then Keller gets Cleveland on the other end of that, and then uh, at Toronto, and you gotta love a, a trip to Toronto. There, they've just been abysmal. So, were you in on any of these two start guys? I was in on Davies and Keller. I'm, I'm not touching Plutko. I mean, the one thing he Same. does is give up home runs, and the one thing the Orioles do is hit home runs. Dude, he's Josh Tomlin. And I'm not even going to say 2.0 because 2.0 implies better, like an improved version of something. He's Josh Tomlin 0.5. 
Like he he's is, worse. He has a career two point five eight homer per nine. Uh, Not ex- this year where he's hitting was two point nine three. A career two point five eight. That's this is what I'm saying. Insane. He is Josh Tomlin point uh, five. He's he's the downgraded version. Oh, he's has, Windows has anybody 95. ever seen both of them in the same room at the same time? No. Yeah. Exactly. It's, like it's older Tomlin. Meme. Yeah. It's older Tomlin who's like, uh, you know, just worn down a bit, but wanted to keep playing. Figured the only way you could get back in the league is with a different name. Yeah. And so he's now Adam Plutko. He made up a really weird name to, that no one would draw suspicion to it. <laughs> like he just, just seems like oh, that could be a real name. Interestingly enough, uh, Tomlin's been pitching out of the Baltimore or uh, out of the Braves bullpen, and is still a home run machine despite some quality numbers. Otherwise, three seventy seven ERA, .95 WHIP, great WHIP. The reason the ERA is so high is because he's given up eight homers in 43 innings. But anyway, um, so Davies and Keller, like I said, Davies has been much better than these other two this year. And we've seen this before out of him, so I don't want to dismiss it out of hand. Like I said, I put him under the scrubs category, which is probably a little unfair with a 306 ERA, but a 136 whip. 306 is still too high even for what he can do. I think he can be a high threes comfortably, and you can believe in that. But I can't buy 306 with these skills. But what do you think uh, What do you think Davies can do for you? And are you keeping him beyond the two-start, which is Seattle and Pittsburgh both at home this week? Um, I don't know if I'm keeping him beyond the two-start. Uh, you can get he- Pittsburgh again next week, by the way. Mm, yeah, that might be interesting because Pittsburgh has not been playing well. Uh, so maybe I keep him for the next two weeks. Or through the All Star break, he's not a guy that I want in my rotation long term. <laughs> I mean, he strike. I've Why struck not? out more guys than there this year. <laughs> so, uh, but he is pitching well. He's got that awesome offense behind him. Uh, so he's gonna pick up some wins. I mean, he's already seven and one uh, mm-hmm. on the season. So we're talking about Molly getting some bad luck. He's gotten some really nice luck. Uh, but he's just he's not a good pitcher in terms of fantasy wise. I think he's a nice little kind of mid rotation in real life, uh, but really shouldn't be on many rosters in, in yeah, per- fantasy. Perfectly per- perfectly capable real life type of guy. Um, you know, that's a four or five, but not fantasy it's just tough. But he you get enamored with the ERA and you're like, Well, this is this is good. Don't sleep on that whip. We've talked about this phenomenon before too, where people like the Zach Davies of the world get more love than somebody who does the reverse with a crummy ERA and a really good whip. And I actually prefer the reverse. Someone with like a 420 ERA, well, Molly, 417 ERA, 120 whip. I prefer that to the 306, 136 here. But the winds have gone more in uh, Davies' favor because keeping runs off the board is the name of the game. So that's where we're at with that. Let's move on to the hitters. It was a it was oh, a cool, light. Cool. Let's talk about Brad Keller real quick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Bkel, Bkel. What? Uh, who, who's he got to throw baseballs at this week? Uh, <laughs> probably Carlos Santana for looking at something the wrong way. I, yeah. I don't know. Somebody, somebody. Oscar uh, Mercado hitting well. Keller's a guy that I like coming into the season. Uh, it's been very up and down, and his last start raised his ERA by almost exactly a half of a run. Oh, because he that's... gave up seven, uh, seven and four innings. Uh, but before that, he had uh, he had turned in three straight quality starts. Uh, he's been looking a lot better as of late. Uh, he's a guy that I, I definitely grabbed in a few leagues as kind of a streamer for this week. Okay, yeah, and um, you know one thing you really need to highlight with those three starts: two were at Texas and at Minnesota, mm-hmm. and they were all seven plus innings he's for Brad Keller. Versus the White Sox isn't an easy 
or I mean, the White Sox has got a team that can that can pound on you. Exactly, so. and um, especially, I mean, dang, yeah, that that is. I didn't realize he had those three excellent starts. You mentioned he got ripped by Seattle, which is a bummer because they've been on such hard times lately. You were hoping that he could keep it going, but you just picked him up for the two start again at Cleveland, at Toronto. You like that? He's not a strikeout guy, Brad Keller, but. And give him an opportunity to actually get some strikeouts because both those teams can swing and miss. He'd get at Washington after that if he did well. If he if he does what you hope for this week, or even exceeds expectations and beasts out this week, would you keep Brad Keller for at Washington the following week? Mm, depends on what my other options are, but I think it'd be in consideration. I mean, he's very uh, he, he's very Zach Davies ish. Strikeouts, yes, just strikes out a few more guys, but I mean, he's gone. The last, his last game where he got blown up uh, at Seattle was the first time this season he had gone less than five innings in a game. True, true innings eater in an era yeah. that is that is getting a uh, you know getting rid of that role pretty much. He's going out there and eating innings again. Great for a young team that just needs to grind out a buck sixty two and get the innings filled and doesn't want to use a million guys. Twenty three years old, Brad Keller keeps the ball down to mm-hmm. uh, AL best point home six park. homer. Yes, good home park, some quality defense behind him. Um, you could see him going on a run where he brings that ERA back into the high threes. Again, similar to Davies, good good call out there as far as a guy he could kind of emulate, although he's gotten more of the Tyler Molly uh, mm-hmm. luck this year with a 3-9 and nine record, although in fairness, he hasn't had Davies' ERA yet, but that's a best-case scenario. He's one of those for- guys that if you curate him well and if you're good at curating starts, you've probably got him with like – or at least on your fantasy team, he's had like a three ERA. Because if you were avail- uh, if you were able to kind of avoid those Tampa Bay starts, which how with how Tampa Bay started the season, hopefully you didn't start him there, and and it, it were able to avoid this kind of at Seattle start, uh, you, you probably got some good work from him this season. So that's uh, true. The only downside would be that you probably, probably miss probably the two miss gems. Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe at Texas. That might have been a toss-up because they're pretty good. Again, something you highlighted very early in the season. that uh, You always want to be leery of Texas. I think people know that as a general rule, but then the offense itself is actually good. So you're right, though, because he started off brilliantly, did Keller. His first five starts, he had a 264 ERA because he was beating up on the uh, scrubs of the division. He only got Minnesota once, but then two White Sox, one Detroit, and one Cleveland when they were really, really bad. He got 10 strikeouts against them. So Keller is somebody who's going to be one of those waiver guys back and forth all year. But uh, you could catch him at the right moment. Uh, let's move on to hitters. It was a light hitting week. Uh, there was a lot of pitching out there to be had. We, we just covered mo- uh, most of it, if not all of the, the premium ones. Hitting was tough to come by. There wasn't really that premium guy. The one guy I would, I would call premium, and he wasn't even available in all the leagues, uh, would be Chris Taylor, falling back into a role with Corey Seager being uh, on the IL. And again, Taylor wasn't even available in all, uh, all that many leagues, and it was really shallower leagues. So it wasn't even a main event type of deal. It was like a 12-team and below sort of sort of situation. Do you think Chris Taylor can get back to the 20 uh, to the 2013, uh, 2013, what? The 2017 version that we saw of him that was so good? Mm, I don't think so. If you'd like a if you'd like a little bit of a laugh right now, go check out Chris Taylor's baseball savant page. Okay. Oh God, is it going to be all blue? <laughs> it is. It is as blue as blue could be. It is like oh, Dodger God. blue, uh, except That's for sprint good. speed. Uh, <laughs> oh, great! You run a little bit. 
So. Oh, geez. Yeah. So for those that don't know what we're talking about, you go on Baseball Savant, you go on a player profile page in the upper right corner. They've got this little dashboard with exit velo, hard hit, sprint speed, X-WOBA, XBA, and X-Slug with these sliders from blue to red. Mm-hmm. Blue, blue, cold, bad, red, hot, good. And um, he's literally ice in all yeah. of them. You, can, you can't the even see anything. He's in 10% of the league in almost every single – and it's 12th percentile for the slugging. Yeah, it's 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 really really bad. It's uh, I don't think this is necessary. He's fast. He's fast, and that always helps something. Uh, Taylor's been fast, and he eh? plays very good defense. Yes, and so I mean he's going to be in the lineup. He was mm-hmm. not, you know, hardly anybody plays every day for them uh, outside of like their premium stars. So he wasn't going to play every day. You know, even even with Corey Seager out, he's not going to be playing every day. I will say this. If we were able to kind of isolate maybe the last two weeks or something and look at his baseball savant, I would think that it would be improving because over that time period, he's got a 349, 420, 651 line with three homers uh, for Chris Taylor, uh, 13 ribbies and nine runs as well. So he's on fire a bit. I wonder if he can keep it going here. Uh, Let me look at something on their setup. He's also hitting 280, 362, 581 against left-handed pitching. And uh, that's exactly what I was looking so. up was to see how many they've got coming up. They get Bobby Ray on Tuesday, but then their next one is the following Saturday, June 6th wow. or July 6th, excuse so. me, right right before the break. So, you're only going to get three more before He's the a break, DFS right? play is what it is. Yes. And in fact, I recommended him as such in my ESPN Daily Notes for tomorrow going against race. So that's Chris Taylor. We'll move on from him. Let's talk about Jason Kipnis. Um, I'll let you talk about him, dude. I just I haven't liked Jason Kipnis yeah, for years. Either. I don't fall for um, his little hot streaks. I, I you- picked him up in A League where I was really hurting for second base. Uh, if you're looking for playing time, I mean, he they're going to keep gonna playing play. him. Yes. He, he's, and, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's their version of Dustin Pedroia, I guess. Um, yeah. The Cleveland version because it has no championships. Um, (laughs) Yikes. Accurate. Accurate. I mean, listen, uh, again, if we want to give favors to him and do the same thing we did for Chris Taylor and talk about the last two weeks, 362, 415, 617 uh, with three homers and 15 ribbies and eight runs. That's what's brought Kipnis back onto the radar with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven multi-hit games. So that's something. It's you know it's it's something to hang your hat on and and hope you can get a little spur going. The best I can say for him though is that Jason Kipnis is going to play. So if you need playing time, yeah, go the best for I that. can say is he is Jason Kipnis. That's uh, he is indeed uh, Jason Kipnis. He, Let's talk in, about in his last year of his contract. So I assume the team will not spend the sixteen and a half million dollars on his uh, on his option for for twenty twenty. There's literally no universe where that happens. None. No universe. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Colin Moran, who has been on track of late. Um, actually, he ended up having a bum week. I think it was a big pickup last week, too. But but team uh, folks that didn't pick him up went around and decided to get him this week where he was still available. Again, shallower leagues, a lot of the deeper leagues had already jumped on him because he had been hot two weeks ago. Having a good month. Um, looks like he's going to be a platoon guy, but a strong side platoon. Is Colin Moran somebody who can really be a difference maker in anything but deeper leagues? I don't know that he can be a difference maker. What he can be is someone that doesn't hurt you. And okay, a deep, glue guy. Yeah, in, in deeper leagues, that has some value. I did pick him up 
in I think two leagues. I cannot remember for the life of me where I think it, may, it might have been my main event qualifier. Uh, so I, I grabbed him, especially because the batting average. Uh, he, you know, he's a guy that I, I feel pretty confident in, is going to hit 270 or close to that. Rest mm-hmm. the way. It may not be with much power. He might, you know, get another, I don't know, five to ten home runs. Uh, but he's not going to hurt me anywhere. Like he's going to play, uh, and he's in his average isn't going to sink me anywhere. So I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, nothing no, special. I, I, but I think that's all perfectly fair for Colin Moran, especially because um, he... Gong has just been so atrocious, so brutal, and so he might not even be platooned as often as he might normally be if there was a capable uh, platoon partner for mm-hmm. Colin Moran. Like he might even get some of the lefty at bats. And I don't think that'll tank his average. Basically, the platoon would maybe give you like a 280. But if he plays full-time, I think it is going to be something in that 270 range for him. Jung-Ho Gong um, isn't even hitting my weight. And that's really bad because yeah. I weigh 175 pounds. And he's hitting 145, Justin. Like, that's yeah, It's been insane, brutal. Dude. I was looking for someone to pick up this week. I was like, oh, I wonder how Gong's been doing. I was like, oh, my God. God. I did that a couple weeks ago. Yes, I, I was like, oh, maybe I'll circle back around. He's up. Oh, I vomited everywhere and then and then left his page. So yeah, that's was, uh, pretty brutal. Like I, at this point, how is he still in the majors? That that is very surprising that they're still giving him a chance. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Like I, can't... I talked about earlier, I mean Pittsburgh is technically still in this. Hey, they're they're all in it, man. They're five and a half games behind. I know they've been really cold as of late, but they've gotten. Surprisingly great contributions from Kevin Newman and Brian Reynolds. Josh mm-hmm. Bell has been an MVP candidate. Uh, I mean, that rotation is... But, um, Musgrove got back on track with the gym. Yeah, he did. He used I'm, him in DFS that day. It was Yeah, awesome. I mean, that, that, was, that was nice to see. They've got some good bullpen parts. They could definitely use some pitching. You know, they should trade their best prospects for, like, a mid-tier starter. The trades, I know, like like Arizona got crushed on the trades that they made, but you think of the trades that Pittsburgh has made uh, recently for Garrett, uh, trading away Garrett Cole, and then trading Austin Meadows and uh, yeah, I mean this and is- Tower Glass now and Shane Baz. Like Baz hasn't even done anything. Like most people, like our listeners know, because obviously you know where I'm not even trying to be like arrogant or whatever. But if you play. Deeper fantasy leagues, you, you listen to our stuff. You're you're probably a, a, a cut above the average fan as far as like knowing prospects and stuff. So you all know Shane Bass, but there's gonna be a lot of fans that in like a year or two are gonna wake up and be like, and they're Rays fans, and we got this guy. Are you kidding me? Like <laughs> he was the throw-in. Um, yeah, he was the chip-in. Another first rounder named Shane Bass. So I mean, they totally brutalized him. The only thing I will say about the Garrett Cole deal is. It was better for them to get something because he wasn't going to do this with them because they wouldn't allow him to. They were going to keep that stupid-ass sinker two-seam theory with him and and keep making Cole not utilize his secondary stuff. So it looks worse than it is because he he wouldn't have broken out with them unless he just went rogue and started pitching however he wants. Yeah, I... I, I understand where you're coming from with that, but let's talk about the return for Garrett Cole. Even if he was just a league average starter, they got uh, Colin Moran, Michael Feliz, and Jason. They got nothing 
They got Joe Musgrove. What are you talking about? Oh, that's right, Musgrove. That's right. I forgot Musgrove was in that deal. Yeah, so I mean, it's not as bad, but still bad. I mean, it's we're still talking awful. about an ace. Yeah, we're talking about a, a, a premium yeah, ace here. Yeah, we're talking about um, one of the best pitchers in baseball. It's yeah, bad. exactly. So either way they lose, it's it's been it's rough like Baz, for them. Man. Look, what, I don't know if you've seen what Baz is doing in 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 a right a ball right now, but thirty uh, percent strikeout rate through thirty innings. Uh, his walk rate is uh, two walks per nine. Uh, I believe oh, he's God. only given up one home run in his first 30 innings this year. And uh, couldn't be with a better team for, like, pitching development. Well, but he could be with Except a better maybe team. Houston. He could be with a better team in terms of getting to the major leagues because That's he's true. 20 right now, and we'll see him when he's 45. Seven years. Yeah. What did you say? 35? 40, 45. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, He'll have, like, right, six right Tommy that. John surgeries before we ever see him. Yeah, you're, you're definitely right about that. That uh, Yeah, so Tampa Bay fans, settle down. No, you're not going to see him for quite a it's while. Not like, it's not like the Pirates have been any better about that. I mean, how long did it did would take to get to see glass now and see yep. Mitch Keller and, and all no, that. You're right. So. right. Um, yeah. And teams just, they need to adjust, man, especially with pitchers. Don't waste those bullets in the minors. Hitters is a different thing, but pitchers, especially. Uh, but anyway, one last guy I want to talk about that we'll get going. Eric Sogard was still available in a lot of leagues. And I know that it's, it's kind of like, well, you know, he's obviously going to fall off at some point, but he hasn't Justin, And we're, you know, we're, we're, we're about halfway home now. He hasn't played all the games. I think he might have had an IL stint here. Um, but he's got eight homers and five steals. I think those double his like career totals at this point. Uh, or no, he doesn't have an IL stint. I think he just started late in April. But he's Eric Sogard's still been great, and he, he just hit another flurry recently. If you look yeah, at his I mean, last, this has been kind of like his best month. <laughs> I mean, yeah, his last. Uh, his last, yeah, we'll just do since June first. He's up at uh, three seventy four oh five six fifteen with four homers and a steal. It's like he did start to come back to earth in May, but after a really fast start in April, and everyone's like, "Well, that's going to die down." You know, we've seen him do these fast starts before, but he's he's back again. Eric Sogard is. I gotta ask, are you putting any stock in this? He's thirty three. He's in a good park, and he's hitting really well. I, I, I'm torn, dude. I'm at a loss. What do you think of Eric Sogard? I mean, he's got a uh, Chris Taylor-esque uh, baseball savant pitch. Unsurprisingly. Yeah, I mean, his exit velocity is in ninth percentile. Hard hit percentage is in second percentile. Uh, so, I mean, his, his ex-batting average is 64th. So, I mean, I think there's a chance that he could maintain some batting average. But I think okay. ultimately... Uh, I think he's definitely benefited from the juiced balls. Oh, for uh, sure. I, I mean, he's probably benefited up there, you know, with the majority of guys. So, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of riding out the hot streak. I think he can it for batting average, uh, but I, I, I'm willing to drop off if I see a, a better option. Like there's a league, uh, one of my 12 team leagues, where Cesar Hernandez hit the waiver wire. And, and you would you would make I, that I, move? Yeah, I, I picked him up. I didn't. I ended up dropping someone else for him, I believe. But uh, like, who did I who did I drop? Oh, uh, it was at the league. I dropped Jimmy Nelson. R.I.P. Oh, yeah, our boy. That's, yeah, so that's we're that's pulling from him from the sidelines because it's just not working right. I, I had to cut it's, him in my leagues too. It's so brutal to have waited this long. Oh, I know. And Mikel Franco in, in my second chance or in my second <sighs> or no no it's this main event. What a fall off for uh, for Franco. What yeah. about okay, Eric Sogard or Renato Nunez? Nunez. 
Eric Sogarner, teammate Freddie Galvis. Galvis. Eddie, uh, Eric Sogard or Sc- Stephen Piscotti? Piscotti. One more. Eric Sogard or Kevin Newman? Newman. Newman's Newman. leading off right now. Yeah, dude. They were all cut for Eric Sogard in online championships. I don't understand that. Like, I, You already missed the hot streak. Again, I think he can... can be like a decent average type of guy. I agree with you there about Sogard, where he, could, he you know, he doesn't strike he out. He's a contact heavy guy. Ball and, and playing sure. in Toronto, but is, yeah, no, I wouldn't have cut any of those guys for him. The only thing I could see is maybe Nunez, if you were power loaded and you had a positional need that Sogard fit. That's about it. But Newman is a better Sogard in my opinion. Piscotti, that's a real tough one. I know he's struggled, but. Damn, he's got so much more, uh, you know, so many more pelts on the wall as far as MLB production. And then Freddie Galvis, they play, they have the same position eligibility, I'm sure, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, both both second, middle infield yeah, stuff. Second and short, yeah. So I would just keep Galvis there. But anyway, well, I mean, that's, Galvis, that's there, so. unless things have changed, Galvis has like the opposite uh, stat cast profile. Like Galvis, ha- uh, at least, co- oh, well, it's come down quite a bit. Never mind. He, was he does really, have eleven. He was really red to start of the year, and now he's yeah. Back he's, down he started off the season brilliantly, and he has eleven homers. And he's like one of those guys that you feel like you're not going to kill your average. It's not quite Colin Moran, where you feel like that two seventy barrier is pretty good. But you know, I, I you're rarely going to wake up and see like Freddie Galvis toting like a two thirty that you just have to get rid of him. He's a handful. Like he's benefited from the ball too. The last two years, he played all 162 games. He went 12 and 13 with his homers. He already has 11 and 73 games this year for Galvis. So I don't know. It's not to like shade those people that made those moves. I just shade feel like with, with Sogard, I mean, listen, I'm not above shading somebody, but like, and I don't know all their team needs. I think the one that sticks out to me is the Kevin Newman one. You already had the better version of Eric Sogard, in my opinion. Yeah, that, that one I don't get because he's been fantastic since he's come up. They play the same position, and he's batting first, like you said. He's going to so steal like, more. Bases. I mean, Sogard is too, by the way. Sogard's playing first, uh, batting first as well. So I do, I Maybe do want to. Maybe they need a little power, but like that's not where I'm going with. If I'm going for power, like, <laughs> I Eric... need power. I got to go to Eric Sogard, dude. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't get it because I mean Newman has a chance to steal like ten more bases rest of the way, oh, and he's yeah. leading off uh, on an offense that should be at least the top half of that offense should be pretty decent. With no, Reynolds, gonna... Marte, Bell, once Polanco comes back, that whole offense should be actually pretty good. Um, so I agree with you. They're, they're, I, this is why I like that Central as such a sneaky division this year. When we were talking about it, it's like even Cincy and Pittsburgh can make noise. I wouldn't necessarily pick them to win it, but they're going to be a thorn in everyone's side in the second half. Yeah, and, they just uh, need some top end starters. I mean, like if, yes. if they had a guy like well, imagine if you Tyler had like a Glass uh, now or, or like Garrett a Garrett Cole, Cole or like yeah. a big time prospect like a Tyler Glass now. Mm-hmm. If you could just you know get a couple guys like that, you might be in pair, business. Pair, pair Trevor Williams with uh, with those two guys, and you've got a really nice. You know, start to your rotation. Got a little something going on, mm-hmm. or you could have Chris Archer, and then and, you, and, you know, still have you know Meadows. Oh yeah, Meadows could also be there for you know imagine, Gregory Polanco is on IL right they, now. Yeah, if they still had they still had Meadows and yeah, honestly, like I understood. I, I guess because I've always been a Musgrove fanboy, so I understood the Cole one a little bit more at the time, just knowing that they were never going to get Cole's ace. Uh, capabilities out of him just by their own limitations um but from from the jump 
the Archer one was bad. Like this isn't even hindsight with that one. Yeah. It was just never the right move. Yeah, I, because- I can get on board with like the Garrett Cole one being, well, they didn't, you know, I mean, they may have thought this was in there, but they weren't necessarily ever going to get that production. I just don't understand. Like you traded to even just Austin Meadows. Like, oh my God, like, I know. Even if you it should have been Meadows for Archer, and it'd still be bad, but at least you could justify or, it. Or I mean, Tyler Glasnow. Like you can say, oh well, well, we didn't know that Glasnow was ever going to get together. You know, he may yes. not have in Pittsburgh, but like the whole idea that you were going to trade away Meadows for for Archer to me is insane. Just Arch, you traded it for the name and the personality, and I mean, and the contract. Yeah, just oh. I mean, locked up pitching, but I mean, if it's locked up and it's not doing well, like what? What glass now is locked up? Dude, I know you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right, man. It's like, and I've been an Archer fanboy, but I, I hated it when we. I remember Nick and I discussing Archer trade possibilities, and we both literally said, as long as he doesn't go to Pittsburgh, we'll be happy with it. And he freaking went to Pittsburgh because we knew that they were gonna cut him and cut him down into the uh, fastball heavy approach, which is the last thing we would have wanted. Somewhere, obviously, like Houston would be great, but anywhere that would emphasize breaking balls and kind of let him be Corbin esque and just lean on that sl- slider or even teach him a third pitch. But anyway, we're belaboring it. Sorry, Pittsburgh fans, but oh uh, God, you're going to be hearing about that one. Four percent home run to fly ball rate this year. Yeah, and. It's basically earned, though, too, because yeah. when you watch him pitch, you don't really feel like it's going to come down that much. So anyway, that's going to wrap us up, Justin. Um, I know that uh, the vacation isn't off to a great start yet, but hopefully everything gets sorted out and you're able to enjoy yourself. I've got a pinch hitter coming in, and I'm not even going to spoil it, but I'll tell you off off air. But uh, I, anyway, I, I'm looking forward to getting Wally Pipps on my vacation. Enjoy your vacation. and You damn well may. Take care, Justin. Take it easy.